0: This is Erica in Edmonton, Shannon in Durham,
1: and Chip in Durham,
0: and welcome to the Audio Guide to Babylon 5, Episode 5, Infection. So yes, hello and welcome back, and welcome newbies, we are happy to have all of you. We are back to discuss our favorite 90s sci-fi tv show space opera i think that was how it was described last time and i think that that still fits
1: i think you got it all right oh wait a minute i'm sorry i need a moment here just a second
0: Ikora!
1: thank you <laughs> fair i'm enough. good i got it out Bless of my you.
0: system <laughs> yes salute Um, Before we we jump into talking about the episode that we just watched, I want to give just a little bit of background, like we started doing last time, on kind of what you need to know about Babylon 5 uh, before watching this, in case this is your first foray into the series. So we are on a space station called Babylon 5. It's a hub of activity for folks from many different planets, and it's a perfect stopping off place for people in transit. As for characters, we've got Commander Jeffrey Sinclair. He is large and in charge of everything that happens on Babylon 5. Michael Garibaldi is a security chief with a bit of a checkered past. And Dr. Stephen Franklin, the chief medical officer, is fairly new to Babylon 5, but we do already know that he's an expert in xenobiology, that's alien biology, and he has a bit of an ego when it comes to medicine. So that is Babylon 5. But now we get to infection. So Babylon 5 has been online for two years against all odds. Hooray! Commander Sinclair is dodging an interview with the Interstellar News Network. Steven's mysterious ex-teacher-turned-alien archaeologist, Vance Hendricks, shows up to offer Steven adventure. Uh, this adventure comes in the form of organic technology, which might as well be sugar candy dipped in crack cocaine as far as Steven is concerned. And... <laughs> oops. The artifacts weren't quarantined properly. And... Double Oops. They turn Vance's assistant, Nelson, into an organically armored monster capable of ashifying pedestrians, and... Triple oops. He's getting more powerful with each attack and will soon be capable of destroying the station. Thank goodness we have a big damn hero on board. Sinclair outwits the thing and convinces it to power down. Phew. So, Stephen learns his friend was a reckless gold digger and turns him into the authorities, and that's still almost just three quarters of the way into the episode. Hmm. So that originally aired February 1994. Uh, let's talk about it in a non-spoilery fashion for a little while. Infection. Uh, apparently, the infection has the reputation of possibly being the worst episode of Babylon Five ever. Which honestly, I didn't know until I started looking around after watching it. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't ever. It wasn't something I thought was great, but it wasn't one that stuck out to me as one of the terrible, worst ones. Uh, I noticed on internet movie database uh you have episode descriptions of all the different episodes and most of them are a paragraph or so this one is exactly one line <laughs> so i was
2: like oh okay
0: <laughs> i guess if you can sum it up that briefly maybe it's it's not so great it's, it's definitely your run-of-the-mill monster of the week type story uh but do we really think it's that bad well, i mean david mccallum he's an awesome guest star does he save things what, what do you guys think where does this
2: fall
1: Well, I did notice that our friend of the show, uh, Jason Snell of The Incomparable, uh, when I sent out my last call for comments on the episode, uh, he responded, worst episode ever. Um, So (laughs) that seems to be the general uh, reaction to this one. I've got some idiosyncratic thoughts, but I'd like to hand it over to Shannon first.
2: I'm not ready to call it the worst episode ever because it's been long enough. I need to refresh my memory. Uh, I think there were probably a few other weak episodes to be had here and there. But, Lord, it wasn't that good either. (laughs) I started thinking about our discussion of Soul Hunter, which we all agreed was hokey and um, had a lot of weaknesses, but there were also interesting philosophical points to be chewed on. And I think where infection makes a wrong turn is here... JMS is clearly answering the philosophical question. It, it, he's practically beating it over the viewers' heads that, you know, this extremism is wrong. This extremism killed this planet. You know, it is, you know, wrong to worship purity. It is wrong, wrong, wrong. It just, it so felt so very in your face. And I think that shows.
1: Yeah, it's about as subtle as a burlesque show. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's it is kind of I like the hitting you
0: over the head with it sort of sort of thing. It's, it's a preachy episode. I mean, we get a couple speeches, which we can talk about later. There was one line in particular. Uh, later on, and I can't even remember who says it, but I wrote it down saying, we're all aliens to one another. Um, I think that was Sinclair.
1: Yeah. Uh, although although yeah. You gotta, you've got got to say it with the right inflection. You're,
0: we're all
1: aliens to one another. Oh,
0: right. God. So I was like, my thought was that that scene happens, you know, in a, an airlock or something with a bunch of crates around. First of all, why are there crates in an airlock? But anyway, uh, crates around. And I was like, those aren't crates. Those are soapboxes. boxes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well played. But yeah, that that's sort of where, where my head was going with this that you know, and it's not that JMS doesn't preach at times in, in the story, in the in, in the story arc as a whole, but here, whether it was because it was early on and he hadn't quite found his voice yet, I don't know, but here it really it clashes and it clangs and it jars.
1: Yeah, Um, this is actually one of the few episodes that JMS actually apologized for back in the day um, when he was on Usenet. If you go to the Lurker's Guide to Babylon 5, uh, in many ways, this podcast namesake and spiritual father, uh, I'm going to read a quick comment that he made online. I guess part of it is knowing what was in the script that should have been carried off better but wasn't, and part of it is my fault. I tried to use the Nelson machine as a metaphor. It wasn't supposed to be about the Nelson machine, but about the kind of people who would create it, yada, yada, yada. Unfortunately, when you put somebody in that kind of suit, that becomes the story, and from that point on, you're pretty much doomed. It was also in places too much an obvious m- metaphor, in the hand of the author is showing too much. So, Shannon, you were right on target when you compared this to Soul Hunter as being sort of in your face and... There's no ambiguity to this story whatsoever.
0: Exactly. I think one of the things for me that it really does turn it into a monster of the week story. And I feel like Babylon 5 as a whole is very much not a monster of the week show. So one of the the reasons it falls down for me a little bit is because it's just it's the kind of a plot that you would expect to see in so many other shows and, you know, really have seen, you know, crazy old alien technology does something bad and the good guys have to to take it down. Um, I appreciate that there's more behind it. And I think that's why I don't hate it as much as most people do, because I don't mind the preachiness, to be perfectly honest. I I like like that message. And I don't mind being bashed over the head with it. It's kind of soft. So I'm
1: I'm okay with it. (laughs) The message is soft or your head? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, probably, probably both. <laughs> just a, little just, bit of just, a little
1: bit of B. Uh, I, I just thought that might <laughs> require a little bit of clarification there. I'm going to be. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm becoming the team apologist, but I have a weird reaction to infection. I, I found myself enjoying it more than I expected, uh, all the way up through Act Five, when we get to the preachiest preachy bits. And then that just sinks the episode for me. And then I feel like it sort of bounces back up uh, towards the end. I like David McCallum's performance. I really like Richard Biggs's performance. I like Sinclair in about two-thirds of this episode. It's just the big climax with the big suit when everything gets just troweled on. When an episode that I'm actually kind of enjoying goes wrong.
2: I think that's fair. I think that's fair, because we do get some very interesting, cool character interactions and development uh, as we go along. And if it wasn't for this A story being so loud and shouty, I think it would be easier to appreciate these uh, right away. Because we have a bit more of Franklin. Again, we see the quest for knowledge, just how eager and interested he is. We also get, you know, a little bit of the naivete, and you know, he trusts Hendricks when Hendricks says, "Oh, they were quarantined back there," and Franklin lets friendship get in the way. He doesn't question it, the fact that they've broken the regulations. I think and-
1: I think Franklin kinda wanted it to be I don't think Franklin's just naive. I think he's just a I, I think he's seduced a little bit by this thing.
0: I think he's seduced a lot by it. I mean, he does spend fifteen hours straight working yeah. on this. This is something that he's clearly very passionate about, and he says right, right in the episode, you know, he wants his name to go down in history. You know, he he likes that idea, basically, of of becoming famous in that way. So he, there's some hubris going on here. He, that that's he's true. Got the ego.
1: Yeah, uh, that's actually a, a side note. Um, one of the things I like about these early episodes is that. Yeah, Sinclair's the big damn hero, and he has his big damn hero moment in spades towards the end of this episode. But in Soul Hunter, Michael Garibaldi got to be the man in charge of a situation when he steps in front of Sinclair. Early on in this episode, when Franklin is examining the body of the guy that was checking Nelson's equipment— Franklin's in charge of that situation. He makes the sly remark to Garibaldi about his medical opinion. Is that is that his professional medical opinion?
2: Which we've seen before. He he's made cracks like that before. There's continuity.
1: And then uh, takes charge. You know, tells the others. You know, he he's not deferring to to Sinclair and Garibaldi. He tells the others. You know, take him take him to the lab. You know, take him away. You know. In each circumstance, these people are allowed to be in charge of their own realm rather than having to defer to Sinclair. And I think that that's a nice, believable touch.
0: Definitely. I suppose now is as good a time as any to do our uh, bi weekly Sinclair check in. Um, <laughs> so, as you already said, Chip, you liked him in two thirds of this. Uh, and I-, I hated him
1: in the remaining third. Oh, God.
0: Mm-hmm. I I really didn't like him in much of this. When you get him being so intense, that is where he loses me the most. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard a little bit. It makes me uncomfortable to watch him trying to be so intense about stuff when he's trying to intimidate people and, you know, trying to get David McCallum's character to to come clean. "Mm, Just nope, please turn around, walk out the airlock. I don't want to I don't want to see it anymore. So this one was not not a winner for me.
2: A bit of it was again the lines themselves, because this was the, the the height of the preachiness as well, which was turning me off somewhat. Yeah, the, the circumstance of him having to run around, dodge, and and shout at this thing, and the the intercom too. They just you know oh. t- that tinny intercom was just <laughs> robbing anybody's voice through that intercom would have sounded bad. Some of your the state- name
1: is dead, Chilar. The,
2: the, <laughs> so I guess. Sort of staging blocking that some of the things there didn't seem to flow the way they they have a couple of time in um, instances in previous episodes
0: I also think I have a problem with him sort of just from a, a writing standpoint that they, they wrapped this up far too quickly. So, Franklin was able to figure out the the language and learn everything about it yeah. so fast, and then at the end you have Sinclair, who is, and there's no shame in this, but he is a soldier. He is a fighter pilot. He is somebody who was a strange pick, apparently, to put at the head of this uh, this station, and yet he is suddenly outwitting this, you know, thousands of year old creature and convincing it just with the power of his elocution to to just turn itself off and let things go I, that, that was a
1: little a bridge too far it's very Captain Kirk it, this is the Kirkiest episode of it all you might as well he might as well have been fighting a Gorn you know Um, <laughs> but there, there were two moments that I did like I did actually like the scene with him staring down McCallum the line when he took a pretty bad hit just struck me as realistic for me but I also really do like that ending scene with Garibaldi although I'm not too fond of Jerry Doyle's performance in that, throughout this season so far, Sinclair has been having his Kirk moments, where he gets out in the ship to uh, try to reel in the Soul Hunter ship, where he jumps down the hole to go after Nelson in the armor suit. He's been behaving recklessly and Garibaldi and the show call him on that. And the fact that sort of doesn't sit well with Sinclair and then he realizes that that Garibaldi's right and he doesn't have a good answer for the behavior. I do like that. but I
0: will agree.
1: But I'm on board that the final confrontation is just really painful and it spoils the rest of the episode for me.
0: Yeah, no, I will. I will give props for that last scene. Actually, that's my favorite scene in in the story, which is which is kind of weird because I love David McCallum so much, but I, I adore the fact that finally somebody is is calling Sinclair on the fact that he's got this death wish and while that I thought that was cool, the part that was even cooler is the fact that he has no response to it. And, yeah. and again, you know, the performance there, I could take or leave. But just the fact that that is the reaction of the character that sings to me. I love it.
2: Yeah. And that goes back to when JMS doesn't answer his own question. It, it's more believable. It works better. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, what what were some of the other character moments? Actually, you were talking about Garibaldi. i, I you mentioned Chip uh, in I think it was our last episode about the emotional intelligence that Garibaldi shows with Ivanova uh, when he finds out that it's, it's her father that, that's dying. And I think that he displays that once again here because he, he's pretty insightful when it comes to that last scene there. Any other character moments that you guys harped upon that you really liked or didn't like?
2: I rather liked the newscaster. I thought that the actress playing that role did a really interesting job. Essentially showing sort of the two sides, because what we see in most of the episode is her very aggressively chasing her story, yelling at Garibaldi because she can't get a hold of Sinclair, having her stare down with Ivanova and, you know, Ivanova wins. Ivanova always wins. Um, <laughs> Then at the end, when she's actually doing the interview, she's very polished. She's exuding this sympathy towards Sinclair as she asks that last question of him about, you know, is it worth it? I thought that actress did a really darn good job.
1: I work in public relations, and I have to say that she was kind of believable as as some of the reporters that I've met. She, She rang true to me, which that huffy bit at the beginning when she yells at Garibaldi and then just sort of stops and... Is there a bathroom around here? You know, it, 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 I love that. Uh, yeah, she, she <laughs> it, believable, believable.
2: There are bathrooms in space.
1: Well, yeah, and, and <laughs> there are people who suddenly realize that they got to go.
0: <laughs> yep. That's another reason I love Babylon 5. We talk about it not being, you know, the polished clean future. Yes, we even mention bathrooms.
1: <laughs> got it all. Mm-hmm. You mentioned David McCallum. What how how do you feel about his character in this one?
0: I loved him so much. Um, I think the reason that I had positive memories of this story is, is simply because I just remember that he was in it, and I thought that he was very good. Yeah, it may be sort of a two-dimensional character. That's that's pretty stereotypical, but he does it very well. And I recently started watching the old British. I don't even know what to call it. It's not exactly sci-fi. It's just cuckoo banana pants crazy (laughs) sapphire and steel so um and if you have watched it you know what i'm talking about i've only gotten one episode in but david mccallum is one of the stars and that show is just off the wall i don't understand what's going on but i love it and when i watched it i was like oh it's that guy where do i know him from Only to realize that the place that I know him from is this one episode of Babylon 5. That's the only (laughs) thing that I had seen him in otherwise. But I liked him so much in this that I recognized him in that many years later. So there you go. What did you guys think?
2: It took me a little while to get into it. That first scene where he finds uh, Stephen and starts talking to them, the nervousness felt overdone to me. And it seems like maybe it took a few scenes for him to sort of get into and find his character. And once he found it, the, you know, the, the archaeologist chasing what first what appears to be knowledge and later turns out to be money, eventually it rang true. But I, I, it felt like it took him a little bit to get into the role for me.
1: I didn't see a lot of greatness in that performance myself, but I'm sorry. But I think that was (laughs) – but I think he didn't have as much to work with. The part could have been a little meatier. He has that speech about how, my God, I've lived, you know, the The, the things that he's seen.
0: (laughs) The Blade Runner speech, as I like to refer to it. Yes, the Blade Runner speech.
1: It it's told, not shown, and he's not given a whole lot of opportunities to do in this episode. He is there to right. he's there to tempt Franklin, mm-hmm. but you but know not I, think, do more.
0: I think I think I you are right. I'm not going to argue with that. I think I may just have a personal soft spot for British actors of a certain age. <laughs> like, <laughs> just... that's right in my sweet spot right there so he as long as he did halfway decently uh he could pretty much do no wrong as far as i was concerned Mm. and yeah he didn't go too far off the rails so i said hooray (laughs) you know
1: which actor i was surprised to be impressed by is marshall teague who played uh, nelson his physicality in the opening scene when he kills the guy in customs and just puts his hands over the guy's forehead to close his eyes and drags him off you know he's clearly a dangerous heavy and he plays that really well and he doesn't do so badly uh, acting through the costume the organic suit of armor which by the way Jaime Reyes in uh DC Comics' Blue Beetle comics that's that's him right there the the infection <laughs> suit is the blue beetle costume break right down to the it beetle in thingy. His chest. Yes. <laughs> anyway, but I th- I thought he did a great job. Um and and yeah, Ivanova didn't have much to do this time, but you're too young to experience that much pain. Classic <laughs> yeah. classic line.
0: Yep. That is.
2: Now, yeah. Shannon, what did you think of uh what did you think of Nelson? Kind of like what Chip said, he he fit the part. Um he's um had a very long career in television mostly, um and some bit parts in movies, but he generally tends to play not necessarily the bad guy, but the big guy, the the, the physical guy, the backup. Um, so he he rang true. He I think he did a, a very decent job uh, with what he was given.
0: Interesting. My thought was when I first saw him appear in that first scene, you mentioned Chip. My thought was, well, he's not as bad as some of the uh, some of the, the <laughs> lackey bad guys that we've seen so far. But he just honestly, I thought he was kind of stiff and. Wasn't really impressed, but I I do think that once he got under the makeup, he actually did a better job. Uh, <laughs> I, I believed him more as a monster than I did as a dude. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So do we have anything else to say, either either good or or bad about this this story?
1: Lines of dialogue. There are some winners and some losers. Um, mm-hmm. There's a Martian bar machine outside that'd like to have a word with you about the common cold. That was kind <laughs> of odd. <laughs>
0: See, I liked that. That actually made me giggle. I I appreciated that. I've always been. I I like the uh, you know, the the trope of one person is not paying attention, so the other person just says crazier, silly and crazier things. 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 Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. And this one was was quippy and cute, so so I was mm-hmm. okay with that. Something that really irritated me. Um, and this sort of goes again to the the logic of of the creature and the science behind it, but. It kind of annoyed me that, you know, we've been shown that once Nelson has been taken over by this thing, as you said, he can ashify people, he can fire these bolts of energy and all that sort of thing. And at the end, Sinclair gets him into a fist fight? Really? And he
0: blasts Sinclair several times after he's juiced up enough to practically destroy the station. And yet Sinclair lives. That, just, that was one of those things that my nerd brain was like, nope, you are being inconsistent within your own story. Stop it but 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 he, he was- had a
1: super cool flak jacket on that looks much better than once <laughs> yeah. in gathering by the way yeah uh,
2: that's that's the only way you can hand wave that one is the fact that he was wearing armor I noticed that too
1: but if Nelson's supposed to be getting more and more powerful and on the verge of blowing up the station then that that hand waving just sort of...
0: Yeah, they go so anyway. far as to say it's they go so far as to say it's twenty percent stronger every time. And he's been blasting through bulkheads and you know melting down from one level to another. Which actually I do have to say that was pretty cool because once again it shows us the Babylon five universe existing in three dimensions. You don't just necessarily go left to right from room to room. You can go up and down too. This is a space station. Who'd have thunk it?
1: Oh yeah. um What do you all think of the Marilyn Monroe speech?
0: I am not a fan. <laughs> and there were a lot of people who have who have commented on on twitter and uh, i think in our comment section about how much they love that speech and you know i think i would love it if it was delivered by somebody else i just got to say that's probably probably where it falls for me what about you guys
2: i really like it i it's clearly jms's own voice coming through but pointing out the concept of it that you know should our society vanish in some huge catastrophe. It's not just going to be the big things that we lose. It's going to be all the all the small things that make us who we are, all of our culture, all of our pop culture, all of these things. So that resonated with me.
1: I remember the first time I watched this, and she asked the question, and he says, it won't just take us, it'll take Marilyn Monroe. And when he says the words... Marilyn Monroe and gives that smile. I just had this cringe w t f moment of uh this looks really this this looks and sounds really bad, and then he keeps going and he talks about yeah. Aristophanes and all the other things, and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm with you now. I'm with you now and it and it finishes up really well, so I like it, and I rise in defense of Sinclair. <laughs> Just because I, I, think it is a, I think it is actually better delivered than written, to be perfectly honest. Well, you
0: know, maybe you're right. Okay, I'm thinking about it even more now. And I think I'm realizing that maybe the thing that rubs me the wrong way so much is that it's so very... Earth-centric. And this is a show that is supposed to be, you know, about the, the universe. And I just, yes, I like the idea that Earth is, is sharing all of these things with other cultures, but, I mean, A, I'm not really sure if other cultures are going to care about Marilyn Monroe. Maybe they won't. And I just, I, I felt like it it was was more okay with the other preachy aspect of the show than this, <laughs> simply because uh-huh. this was so, we are great, rah-rah. It, it, it struck me as USA,
2: USA, and I'm i, I <sighs> I moved to Canada. I will have none of that. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, well, well
2: uh, I think let that me... was the point, though. I mean, because we're, we're talking about a an, um, an newswoman, ISN, you know, may, may call itself Interstellar Network, but it's still produced from Earth and it's about Earth. And his audience is is Earth. So I think within the con- – I understand enough. what you're saying, but I, I think within the context, it fits well enough for me that I didn't get quite that. Bringing in all the other races that that feels like that would be something that would happen down the line in a couple seasons.
1: In fact, that's uh, an example of Sinclair's political savvy because they've. Mm-hmm. This episode uh, is all about the rising uh, sort of xenophobia on Earth. That's sort of a background plot here, uh, part of the backstory to this story, and the setup question from her is. Should we give up? Should we stop paying for all of this? Uh, should we retrench to Earth? And Sinclair answers that directly. So that works for me. I, I understand where you're coming from, uh, Erica. Mm-hmm. I think within the story, it is a brilliant response, though.
0: Okay. You you guys have convinced me that it's it's better than I thought it was. It still makes me a little bit itchy from a personal standpoint. But yes, if I look at it from within the confines of the narrative, I'm a little more okay with it now. So I appreciate that.
1: I will Thanks, point guys. out also, by the way, that I just had a really severe haircut and all of a sudden my resemblance <laughs> to Michael O'Hare is really <laughs> ramping up right now. So I'm going to start taking all of this really personally.
0: Oh, dear. Okay. Behave. All right. yeah. Be careful. Be careful. I'll be good. <laughs> All right. Is Are there any other things that you guys would like to cover before we jump into spoiler space? A, a couple of little decent things that I noticed. I mean, yes, this is supposed to be the worst episode ever, but I think maybe that is part of why I tried to find more good things in it, because <laughs> I have a tendency to do that. I like to defend. Um, I, I noticed that the, the special effects in this one were actually fairly decent. The uh, sort of lightning zappy effect that happened to people and, and doorways and stuff looked really convenient convincing to me i i I thought that was pretty great and in addition the there's at least one retrograde zoom which looks pretty awesome and that's not an easy thing to pull off
2: so yay for that i also thought the i'm not sure about the final result of the the full ikaran warrior but the transition i thought the makeup effects were um appropriately icky gory and um (laughs) looked pretty and looked pretty realistic Yeah, um, Appropriately icky. I love appropriately
0: icky.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well said. I I do. Yeah. um, Optic Nerve uh, was the studio that did all the creature effects for Babylon 5. And this was a really, really good job. Mm -hmm. And that's as much as I'm going to say there. Although uh, I I don't think this is a spoiler because the point is troweled on at the end of the episode uh, when Earth Force Security come to talk to... Franklin and Ivanova. right. But a lot of the a lot of the themes of this story are going to get played out in much more satisfying ways throughout the run of this series. Uh, this is an important episode, even if it's not a great episode. It's an important episode in terms of giving you a good hint of what direction the series is going in.
0: Indeed. Well, maybe that's a good time for us to, uh, to jump into spoiler space, unless you have any last thoughts.
1: Uh, no, I guess we should just let people know where to find us if they are newbies and are trying to stay spoiler free.
0: Uh, if you are trying to stay spoiler free, yep, this is the time to jump ship and get out of Dodge. Because we are going to start talking about things from the perspective of the whole show. Uh, but before we do that, make sure that you check us out on b5audioguide.com. And there should be a spoiler-free link for you to put some comments in and maybe communicate with some of the other newbies who are watching the show for the first time uh, without getting spoiled about it. You can also find us on Twitter, at b 5 Audio Guide and same thing on Tumblr. So please, come check us out. And uh, Chip, what is our homework assignment for next week?
1: I am so angry because <laughs> I don't get to moderate this one Shannon, what's the next episode going to be?
2: <laughs> the Parliament of Dreams. I cannot wait.
1: This is such a good one. And uh, I would argue that if you know somebody who's thinking about getting into Babylon 5 uh, and wants to watch it along with us, and rather than trying to catch up and watch all of our stuff, Parliament of Dreams is not a bad jumping on point.
2: Agreed. Hmm. Yeah.
0: I. You know... I'll be honest, it's not one of my favorite episodes, but I agree that it is a pretty decent jumping-on place. So there you go. (laughs) Sounds like we'll have something interesting to talk about next time. But for now, it is time for us to dive right into Spoiler Space. Okay, so now we get to talk about infection. Ikara!
1: Um, um,
0: Bless you. (laughs) And and all of the many myriad, actually, there's not that much references to two other things. We do actually get a nice, I think, sort of sprinkling on the ground of foreshadowing for some of the stuff that is to come. But... To me, it felt like it was all really mostly crammed into the last like 10, 15 minutes. It seemed like this this story was a little bit weirdly paced because you get this basic Monster of the Week story for 30-ish minutes, and then you get a bunch of other stuff in the falling action.
2: What do you guys think? I don't know. Um, I think there's actually a decent amount of stuff that plants seeds in the first part as well. We've got that reference to the Akarans and this mess happening a thousand years ago. What else do we remember was going on a thousand years ago? Or the Akarans trying to do Sinclair's this? Sinclair's failing! Shush. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but were they trying to fight the shadows? Or, or some group that was working with the shadows? Is that one of the reasons they developed this uh, technology that eventually killed them? Um, so I think that possibly relates in some way. That never even occurred to me. So bravo. <laughs> That's awesome. And we also get more of Stephen's character, the the drive, the willing to pull a 15-hour day to study this stuff that somewhat foreshadows when things go pear-shaped and he is needed in the med lab so often and he starts taking stems to keep up and winds up addicted. So we see a little bit of that overdeveloped work ethic beginning to happen here, too.
1: I was kind of surprised that Interplanetary Expeditions was introduced so early and then dropped later on. We never hear from them again until uh, Sheridan comes onto the scene, and we find out that Anna used to work for them. Franklin's never heard of interplanetary expeditions, and Vance immediately explains that they're a front for a bioweapon supplier, and then they're gone again, and then sometime in season two, interplanetary expeditions is all over the place, and nobody knows that they're a front for a bioweapon supplier. It's just kind of odd uh but mm. the living the living machine technology and the fact that Earth's never been able to crack it that becomes pretty darn important throughout all the way up to uh poor Susan.
0: Yeah, and they even mention specifically that Vorlons are known to have, you know, living machines as as mm-hmm. their ships. So that very very much comes into play. Exactly. And and then we do get the scene that you mentioned earlier of the uh the soldiers and and Ivanova and uh them talking about uh, pro-Earth hate groups that are targeting aliens and stuff, which that I think comes onto the scene uh, quite a bit earlier as far as general overall plot goes. So I, I, I still feel like it was a little bit strange that the falling action was so long. And uh, so maybe it's not so much that there wasn't plot stuff and continuity stuff seeded earlier. It's just the fact that that's kind of all we got after the end. Stephen even turned to me as we, after we were watching this and being like, we're only like thirty-five minutes into it, and they just wrapped things up. What else is going to happen? So, mm-hmm. it was
1: yeah, maybe a little it, well, blunt at that point. That, at that point, uh, JMS is okay. Everybody, let's see the rest of the series. Let's see all the themes. You know, he admitted online that this was the first episode he wrote after the break, and I think it shows. I think it really shows. Mm. Not I just not that. just for the rough edges, but also for the. He didn't resist very well the temptation to do all that stuff at the end of the episode to seed the themes for the series.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was very exposition heavy at the end, although it it did also introduce the concept of ISN, the Interstellar Network. We actually see um, the newscaster actress again, and I looked it up while we were talking. Uh, Her name's Patricia Healy, and she's known for a bunch of different things that she's been working on in television here and there. But she actually shows up again and by any means necessary.
1: Oh, I'd forgotten that.
2: Yeah, same character. And then, of course, there's ISN being taken over by Earth's government and censored. We're going to get all the heavy playing into manipulating of the media, which, you know, good lord, it feels like we're living it these days with Fox News. But but we get a lot of things that recur throughout uh, the series. Some of them get introduced here.
1: And one of the things that recurs throughout the series is Marshall Teague himself. Yes. Who who is Talon. We're going to see him under a lot more makeup periodically. Uh, And he is great in that role. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's one of my favorite minor characters in uh, Babylon 5. So if you thought he was a bit hammy and thuggy in this one, he's great under a Narn mask.
0: Oh, I completely agree. He's... I feel like he does subtle really well and over the top really well. So he did great under the makeup here. And I think he does subtle really well under the Narn makeup. I think maybe it was just the mm. in-between thugginess that didn't really play well for me. Well, oh, going back to the ISN thing for a minute, I find it a little bit interesting that, yes, Shannon, all the uh, talking about all the, the ramping up that we get um, from the, the media-centric episodes that we have ahead of us and, and seeing how the media skews things. I, I think that it is kind of nice from a... The symmetry kind of standpoint that we have just these little bits of rumors of the pro-earth hate groups and, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff that's going on and we get also it's just like a little bit of a snippet of newsiness and it's not really bad it's it's just you know we have Sinclair being annoyed by it and, and mm-hmm. feeling like he has to play politician at the end when he's giving his interview. But it's, you know, it's it's just a little thing and it's, it's not too much. Just like, you know, these these rumors are a little thing and not too much. And, mm-hmm. and everything sort of builds up to the same crescendo at the same time. So I, I appreciate the way all that plays together nicely.
2: One thing that I really appreciated at the end, which, you know, again, if you want to see it as JMS's signal as a writer in the first episode he wrote or whatever... Or, you know, foreshadowing or whatever you want to call it. But after Franklin and Ivanova talk for a minute and the Earth Force people come and you know play the heavy and confiscate the weapons, Ivanova turns back to Franklin and basically says, I'm going to go be with the other aliens getting drunk. The allegiance <laughs> is declared in this episode because that is what Ooh. is going to happen. Uh, Babylon 5 is going to break off and join with um, an alliance of aliens.
0: Well played. Indeed. Oh, well said. Yeah, I I don't have anything to top that little uh, nugget of, of joy there. Chip, Shannon, anything else?
1: If I say anything more, I'm going to shout for Ikara again, so I think I'm just going to... <laughs>
0: okay, then then you got nothing.
1: <laughs> I got nothing other than Infection is probably not the worst episode of Babylon 5, and much of it is really good, but there's just half an act there that just drags it way, way down.
2: It's the over-the-top shoutiness of if this was the first episode that he wrote after The Gathering, then I think that explains some of it.
0: Yep. For me, it was it was definitely not a good episode, but it wasn't one that I disliked. This is, this is one that I don't really think back on at all. It's not fondly. It's not poorly. It's just it was an episode, and I got to watch David McCallum. So, yay. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you to those of you who have stuck with us here in the spoiler space. We hope you are enjoying it, even those of you who haven't actually watched the series yet and are probably mystified as to what on earth we're talking about. But don't worry, we'll get there. Um, You're doing this wrong, but we're still happy (laughs) to have you here.
2: (laughs) Absofragalutely.
0: Ding. (laughs) Hooray! All right, well, now that we've met our quotas, I think it is time for us to to sign off and say thank you. We look forward to speaking again next time. Uh, For now, I am Erica in Edmonton. Shannon in Durham.
1: And Jip in Durham.
0: And you've been listening to the Audio Guide to Babylon 5.